Welcome to the ninth episode of the Hodlers podcast. Today we are joined by Arcade, which is an NFT borrowing and lending protocol that allows you to receive liquidity using your NFTs as collateral for loans. Today we're joined by Castro, who is the business developer for Arcade, and he's going to walk us through what Arcade is, the NFT markets, what he thinks of the current state, and yeah, how they came up with the idea and where they're going to go in the future. For everyone listening right now, what is Arcade? What do you guys do? Um, would you like to give us a quick summary? Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me on here, Leon. So um, at Arcade.xyz is a on-chain peer-to-peer borrowing and lending protocol where you can use NFTs as collateral. So you bring your assets to the platform, request some terms, or you can accept terms from lenders making offers. And then once that loan is filled, your asset is locked uh, in escrow for the duration of that loan until you pay it back. Okay. So it's all on-chain, it's all permissionless, it's all trustless. Yeah, super cool. Yeah, it's, it's weird how, because um, I, I was trying to find like the competition and if there's any other people doing it. And the, there isn't many, and I'm quite surprised that no one really came up with the idea earlier. Um, so when you guys started, was there any competition in the space? And also, how did you come up with the idea? Like, who actually thought of that? Yeah, sure. So there isn't a whole lot of uh, protocols in the space doing this on a peer-to-peer level right now. We aren't the first, but we are part of a very, very small pool of protocols. Mm-hmm. What's more popular, or I shouldn't say more popular, but what's uh, what there are more protocols out there of is a peer-to-pool model doing the loaning stuff. And so that's more of a Ave model where there's a resting uh, pool of liquidity. And I could talk about, you know, why I am not a personal fan of, of that, but I'm sure we can get into it. So it is a very uh, niche segment of the NFT market right now. Mm-hmm. So um, the idea actually came from um, our co-founder and CEO, Gabe Frank, who was pretty early, relatively speaking, um, into the NFT scene. Him and I actually met in 2020 during DeFi summer, and we both sort of got into NFTs around the same time. Um, his background is, is very financial. He came from BitGo and Curve. And, um, you know, when NFT started to take off, it just clicked with him right away that this is a financial asset that he can uh, help people leverage. And so that's where the idea for a peer-to-peer borrowing and lending protocol was born. Really was born there at the end of 2020, beginning of 2021, Originally founded as uh, PawnFi, Pawn.Fi, and uh, the reason yeah, being is because yeah. Gabe comes from uh, um, generational pawn shop owners. Um, uh, so that's also okay, why like he was sort of thinking about this stuff, right? Exactly. And uh, you know, eventually we rebranded to Arcade.xyz, um, you know, just for uh, some some sparkly marketing purposes, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's sort of how it all, how it was all founded by Gabe, and uh, his co-founder is our COO Robert Masiallo. And um, uh, but Gabe was really like the idea guy behind the whole thing. Okay, that yeah, that's a uh, that is that's interesting. So, what is like the you got the Palm Protocol, and then you've got Arcade itself. What is I was trying to read about the Palm Protocol. What's the what is the Palm Protocol, and like what's the difference between that and an Arcade? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, we're, we're sort of cleaning the language up and everything's just going to be arcade at one point here. But the protocol itself is still referred to as pawn. And that's the smart contracts. That's that's how everything works. Uh, that's what governs the protocol. And so the app on top of the protocol is what is known as arcade.xyz. 
Um, so I know oh, right I now it yep, sort of sounds like we have two yeah. different things, but it's not really that. You know, one of the things in theory you could do, and, and this is what can be done with any DeFi protocol essentially out there, is just put your, put your own app on top of that protocol, right? So in theory, uh, you know, someone else, company uh, ABC could literally use the pawn protocol and, you know, non-privy users would never know they're uh, using the protocol. They think they're using company XYZ. So that's the way we were thinking about it at first, but I think that's going to be changing here shortly. Okay. See, um, I actually found, I found you guys through um, Mike Malak. Do you know the video how he bought the house using your protocol? Using an NFT. For sure, yeah. How, how did yeah, that he, come around? Like, that was such a random thing. How did that come around? You, you know, it was rather organic, um, which is kind of surprising. Uh, I got an email one day from his team. And, oh, really? uh, you know, yeah, Mike was just looking, literally looking for liquidity. And I guess he really didn't want to, you know, sell anything that he had. And uh, maybe his line of credits were tied up. I honestly am not really sure. But, um, he wanted to use his ape as collateral and take out a loan against it and he had uh, quite a rare ape as well so yeah, i guess his cool. team started to do research and as you sort of uh, said at the beginning of this episode uh there's not a whole lot of people that pop up when you start searching this type of stuff and mm. so we popped up they emailed us and we were able to make something happen he collateralized his ape for uh 200,000 USDC and ended up using the proceeds to put a down payment on a Beverly Hills mansion that's crazy yeah, that's crazy. I thought it would have been the opposite way around as in you guys went to him for promotion, but that's even cooler that they came to you. I know, right? Which and it makes sense. So cool. um, but, you know, this was really his idea. And I think it just shows you, right? Like, obviously, he's invested a lot of money into the space, but he has a pretty busy life. So it's not like he's being a degenerate keeping up with uh, all of the stuff that's going on in this space. So it just goes to show you, I think, uh, what protocols like arcade should be expecting in the future with an inflow of users yeah yep for sure it's definitely a need I'll, I'll jump in here castro it's uh my name's tyler i'm the nft dad on tiktok uh just growing I, i'm got into nfts about uh gosh just at the tail end of the the crazy bull market and uh, had, had a really great experience with that but i wanted to jump in and ask you a little question um just around the apy uh i don't know whether you know probably our listeners have if you're on TikTok or social media for a while, everyone was talking about Time Wonderland and like 100,000 APY and like all these tutorials on how to move your avalanche and convert your money. I, I remember taking the tutorial on YouTube and it was took me an afternoon. I was like, oh my God, I did it. I staked Time Wonderland. I'm going to make, you know, I'm going to be, order my Lambo. It's, it's ready to go. I'm going to be rich. <laughs> and of course that didn't happen at all. And uh, what we're dealing with now, of course, is, is a pretty, pretty chilly bear market. How, how are you guys able to sort of deal with that and guarantee a fixed APY with, um, yeah, with the, the, the arcade model? Yeah, that's a great question and uh, happy to meet you, Tyler. Um, so because it's peer-to-peer, -peer, it's two counterparties agreeing to terms, right? So we've just created the app. We're not necessarily the lender. Um, so, no. you know, there's a pool of lenders who are using the app. And if they agree to give you X amount of money for your asset, and they tell you they want 20% APR, and you agree to that, they're going to get that 20% APR unless you just don't pay back the loan, right? In which case, you're going to lose the asset. So, um, you know, it's it's fixed because it's counterparties agreeing. This is very similar to what LendingTree does now, right? They're doing peer-to-peer -peer loans, and even though LendingTree is a principal lender themselves, there's still plenty of opportunity on their platform for other lenders to come in and, you know, try to earn some yield. 
And so that's the same thing here with Arcade. It's just a bunch of lenders coming in, institutions, DAOs, and you know, uh, wealthy individuals who are looking to earn that yield. Um, but you know, sometimes they're also looking to buy discounted NFTs. Uh, essentially, this could be as uh, used as a put option, and we're discovering that our users are doing that. They're actively, um, you know, shorting NFTs by using the platform, hoping that the borrowers don't pay back the loan. Now, fortunately, that hasn't happened a ton, but it has. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the lenders on the other side, um, some of them have basically purchased assets at a discount. Um, but just mm -hmm. to sort of circle back to your original question about the APR, it, it's fixed because it's peer-to-peer. -peer. Um, you know, the worst case scenario for a lender who's strictly looking for that yield, who strictly wants that 20 or 30% APR, whatever it might be, it's never terribly crazy. You know, the worst mm -hmm. case for them is that the borrower doesn't pay back. Um, and then they're stuck with the asset. And that could be good if they just bought it at a discount or, you know, there's a chance that they're underwater with it as well. As we saw with the recent crash, a lot of price changes happened. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so folks that are out there maybe looking for some asset liquidity, you know, that's kind of a hard thing right now in the NFT space is you personally, I've, I've got a bunch of NFTs and, and you, you know, it's difficult. Uh, you, you're kind of stuck with a lot of, a lot of your, your assets right now. So this is an interesting way for folks to get a little bit of movement, get some liquidity and get out there and play in some of those, you know, free mint metas or, you know, gamble a little bit with what's going on in the space. Cause it is, it's, it's certainly not the magical internet money of, you know, a year ago today where, you know, a projects would come up that mint out. And, you know, let's be honest, there were a lot of folks that were making really decent money flipping NFTs as much as folks were talking about, the art and really believing in the space. There's there's just as many folks that that I think like this is quick and easy money. So that's not happening. The exit exit liquidity is not really there at all in the same volume. So this, I guess, you know, you know, correct me if I'm wrong. Castro could be yet another option besides going to different you know um, platforms to try to sell your NFT at a discount. That's exactly why this was made. I mean, these are assets that people want to hold, right? Like I, I have a pretty robust collection and I don't want to depart with it anytime soon. So knowing I have the option to collateralize my assets it, it is a big plus, you know? Um, so that's really why this was used. We, are, we recognize, and I say we, but really the founders recognize that users don't want to sell their assets. Um, you know, there might come a time when those users who are diamond handing those assets do liquidate, but at least for the time being, here's a way for them to access that liquidity so they could do, as you said, you know, a little bit of gambling playing in the system or like, you know, Mike did, you know, put a down payment on a mansion. And we've had some yeah. other, uh, in real life use cases with some of our users, um, investing in, you know, non web three businesses and things like that. So it's been interesting, um, you know, watching what people do with the funds after. Any, anything quite as, as uh, you know, newsworthy or, or exciting as, as what that what Mike did with it? Is any any stories you could share? You're comfortable sharing uh, in uh, real life? That, yeah. yeah, there's definitely not been anything as exciting. It's it's mostly <laughs> been sort of uh, business ventures. Um, cool. You know, because this is a high APR, right? That the market's still finding its legs. Um, mm -hmm. You know, you can get a loan against your house or something right now. I know the interest rates are high, but you know, about a year ago you were getting loans at like 3% and we were loving that, right? So when you see things like 20 or 30% APR, which again, that's APR, right? So you're dividing it by however long that loan duration is by a year, um, it, it still seems higher. But the benefit of using a protocol like Arcades is it's DeFi. So there's nobody checking your credit score. There's no waiting period between you and the bank. It's instant liquidity on chain there when you need it, you know. So fascinating. That's so cool. 
Um, so for the, our listeners out there that are, you know, uh, really into the smart contracts or trying to learn more about the functionality of smart contracts, could you just walk us through, you know, uh, just really, I don't want to say dumb it down, but like just simplify, you know, the, the risk, the counterparty risk and how smart contract comes into play, you know, as sort of an insurance piece there. Can you, can you sort of shed some light on that in a really simplified way for, for some folks, maybe even like myself? Yeah, I think I'll try my best here, you know. Um, I'm not the technical person, right? But I think I do understand DeFi fairly well. Um, you know, it's it's this whole philosophy of trying to govern by code, right? To take human error out of uh, the transactions we do on a daily basis, you know, at least right now, our financial transactions. Um, but that doesn't mean that DeFi is foolproof. Uh, you know, there's always a risk with inter acting with smart contracts. So users out there who are just learning uh, what DeFi is and how to interact with smart contracts should always be aware that there's still a risk there. And Mm -hmm. um, they should try to do the best they can to protect themselves from those risks, but sometimes you just can't. So there's my disclaimer right up top. Um, But, you know, users don't necessarily have to, and I definitely encourage people learn about how smart contracts work and what DeFi is but they don't necessarily need to have a great understanding of these things because people like Arcade, um, us at Arcade, are coming and building apps on top of these smart contracts that we write. So, you know, um, sometimes I personally have to interact directly on chain with Etherscan, but I rarely do. You know, that's usually a a worst case scenario because something happened with the protocol I'm interacting with. And I'm not speaking about Arcade here, I'm speaking about my general, uh, you know, use cases with DeFi. Mm -hmm. But when the app is working, I'm just going on the app. So, for example, with Arcade, um, I'm going onto our app. I'm accessing my wallet on the app. My assets are being displayed right there, all my NFTs. I could select one NFT. I could select multiple NFTs, and I can create what we call a vault. And all the vault is is a smart contract that's bringing in your NFTs so that when a lender fills the loan that you're asking for or looking for, those NFTs can get locked in that vault during the duration of the loan. So um, it's all being, again, it's all being governed by smart contracts, but I'm explaining it with how our UI shows it. Select your NFTs, create a vault, ask for terms. Once those terms get filled, your assets are locked during the duration of the loan until you pay back the loan. So, you know, that's why I sort of emphasize that users don't necessarily need to know what's going on in the back end on the smart contract side, because all the UI stuff they just witnessed, you know, did it all for them. Again, that doesn't mean I'm not encouraging people to look into smart contracts. I think they should because it just makes them that much better of a user. And that's how power users are essentially created. Um, And in case something happens with the front end, knowing how those smart contracts work gives you the opportunity to, you know, log on directly to Etherscan and start interacting with those smart contracts. So all those things are definitely beneficial. Uh, But the app is, again, doing it all for you. Jeez, I'd I'd really love cool. to learn about smart contracts. I need to I need to slowly get into that because it's honestly as soon as I go into Etherscan and start scrolling on that, I get absolutely lost. Um, well, I'll tell you this, Leon. I learned so again. You know, I can't write a smart contract. Um, I could look at the code and sort of understand what I'm looking at. But the way I learned all of that and the way I learned how to use Etherscan is by just using Etherscan. That, that was my oh, really? greatest tool in understanding smart contracts. So the first time, the first few times I was on Etherscan, 
heck, I didn't know what I was looking at either. <laughs> um, and, you know, I, I started looking at EtherScan during DeFi summer. So I was doing a lot of uh, uh, wallet tracking mm -hmm. and where treasuries were going. So have a goal in mind. You know, this isn't just advice necessarily to you, but just to anybody. If you're going to log on to EtherScan, what's your goal? Well, yeah, I understand mm -hmm. you might want to look around and see what all the different sections are and how the layout is. That's definitely beneficial. But then you need a goal. And so my goal was the wallet watching. And I didn't realize what I was doing at the time, right? I just needed to find people's wallets. And so I don't mean to diverge here um, no, no, or divert so the conversation, but so I think that's a really great place to learn about smart contracts is just strictly on Etherscan. Just I, I shouldn't say strictly, but, you know, doing that. yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I hear you. I, I uh, Before Leon jumps into the next question, I made a nifty little spreadsheet back when I was doing a lot of trading. And I was on Etherscan quite a bit, figuring out my gas fees and the, the certain fees that would go to the royal, you know, royalty fees, etc. And it's all on there. And you could pull that off. And I ended up, you know, sharing out that spreadsheet with folks that were like, this is amazing. Where did you get that information? So you're absolutely right, Castro. If you have a goal, it's less dizzying, you know, you're not going to just be like, what the hell? I'm looking at this crazy line of just all this random information. And I did have to ask a bunch of my friends, like, what does this actually mean? Like, what, what does that even say? And most people knew, you know, through a little bit of research. So that's, that's getting that community out there. But, but yeah, you're absolutely right. Have a goal, have like a mission. And then within a few minutes, you're like, shit, now I know this. Now, now you're the, you know, the knowledge base on that. So it's really cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Over to you, Leon. Yeah. So now moving on to like the actual lending and borrowing side i was looking at the calculator you have on the website and how you can choose like how much you borrow the interest rate the duration and stuff and with the interest rate you can change it from anywhere to like five to sixty percent and that just confused me a little bit like what is can you run me through that what is the purpose of like choosing a sixty percent interest rate when you can have just a five percent five percent interest rate yeah, for sure. So, you know, I'll start off by saying um, that calculator was there just for users to sort of figure out what they might have to pay or mm -hmm. what kind of loans they can take out. That calculator doesn't uh, lock them into any sort of deal. Yep. Um, that calculator is also going away because we do have our V2 of the app launching uh, oh, okay. next week. And so it's going to be a whole new website. I don't even think we're going to keep the calculator on that. I, I could be mistaken there. But I'll sort of go again, you know, I sort of mentioned earlier how terms are decided upon. And so a borrower comes in and they could list their asset and leave it open to offers and see what sort of terms a lender can come in and make. Or they could request specific terms and see if a lender will fill those terms. And those terms can, in theory, be anything. Uh, also, lenders can actually come into the app and make a, an offer to an entire collection. So a lender oh, can say, I'll, I'll, I'll give out. anyone... Yeah. 30 ETH for 60 days for 25% APR. First aid, first serve sort of thing. Um, so there's a lot of ways to come to terms, um, but they're dictated by the users themselves. Now I can talk about what terms we sort of see, and I have seen upwards of 60% APR on 90 days. You know, it's, it's reflective of what the market is. Um, you know, if lenders can, when, when everybody was earning yield, right you know um before things really you know got bad but when everybody was earning yield if a lender wanted to come to arcade or any sort of other uh, nft collateralization protocol they wanted to earn more yield on these protocols than they were easily by just you know staking their money um so that was something that was dictated what sort of aprs users were getting uh nowadays where we don't have too much yield um you know uh, being earned out there in the world of DeFi. 
lenders are deciding on the APRs that they're comfortable with by how long of a duration is the loan, which mm -hmm. asset is that loan, what sort of reputation does that borrower have? Is this an asset yeah. that I just want to earn yield on or is this an asset that I wouldn't mind Back. buying at a discount? So those are the things that are really dictating it now, right? That times are a little slower, that we're definitely in a macro bear market. Uh, things are more methodical, I should say. Yeah, so I, yeah, I sort of understand what you meant by like peer-to-peer -peer as well now. So people come to you like with the lenders and they can choose how much they're willing to give at their chosen interest rate and then the borrowers come and they have like the selection of those lenders basically so i go on there and choose like which interest rate i'm willing to receive so like if i was a lender i would go and say i'm willing to lend out 100 eth um and but i request like a 20 percent interest rate and then the borrowers come to me if they're willing to pay that and then they borrow it from the lender. Is that how it works? Yeah, what you're explaining is essentially our collection-wide offer feature. Um, okay, so right, yes, okay. you sort of lay, you, you laid it out pretty well. Now, I will be clear, right? There's not, uh, it's not necessarily that those two counterparties are ever actually communicating with each other, right? Because yeah, yeah, it yeah, is yeah, DeFi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah but, there, but in our Discord, lenders and borrowers uh, meet all the time to start negotiating. Yeah. Um, mm. so that's the thing that's happening too, but what you explained, you explained it very well, actually, that's the, uh, collection wide offer. So I'm the lender. I say, I want to lend, you know, let's go with your example, a uh, hundred ETH on any ape out there. I don't think anybody would lend a hundred ETH. So let's be a little more <laughs> realistic. Let's say 30. ETH. I want to lend 30 ETH on any ape out there. Um, yeah. I'm willing to lend for up to 60 days. Uh, and I want to earn 25% APR. Um, you know, you as the oh, ape okay. owner yep. can come in there and it'll, it'll show you if you're going to make a loan on your ape, it'll show you that that's an option. And maybe there's two or three other lenders. So you can now pick and choose which rate you want, yeah. um, or which term you want, you'll select that one. And then that loan will be filled. And then your apes could be locked in escrow for that duration that you guys agreed upon. Okay. So that's one way, right? Again, the other way is that me as a lender, I could just make you a direct offer. I don't have to make an offer to an entire collection. I like the asset that you have listed. I can make you a direct offer and you can yep. choose whether or not you want to accept it. And then the, the probably the most friction filled option is the borrower setting their own terms uh, because, you know, many borrowers have, uh, you know, they want sometimes uh, absurd terms for lack of a yep. better term. Um, right. Mm -hmm. So lenders look at that and they go, I'm not going to give you that much for that low of an APR. Uh, but sometimes borrowers also know what they're doing. And so they know what lenders are looking for. Um, they have a good read of the market. So that's the other way a loan can get filled, too. OK, yeah. Yeah. No, I completely get it now. Yeah, I was a bit confused at the start. But yeah, that's um, nice. Yeah, that calculator will be a thing of the past. So uh, I'm looking forward to sharing uh, V2 with uh, you guys. So you can yeah, take a look sure. at it. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I'm excited for that one. Um, so moving on to like well still with arcade but with the markets as well right now obviously the markets are down we're seeing a uh, shift in everything right now matters utility um prices everything um how is that affecting arcade or is it affecting you guys the current market conditions yeah that's a great question um you know, I think NFTs are still young. I'm just sort of prefacing this here. I think yeah, NFTs yeah. are still young and we're still figuring out how that market's reacting, but it's been extremely impressive. Since hmm. the bull run of NFT started, um, it's, it's surprised the heck out of me, I'll tell you that. So 
how has it directly affected us? Um, usually in times of uh, super volatility, like when the volatility is actually happening, a lot of people like back off, borrowers get scared off, lenders get scared off, everybody just waits for the market to sort of settle. Mm -hmm. um, but that's, you know, always like a day or two. It's, it's never a long period of time. So once that volatility ends, um, that's when we're able to tell when, uh, what sort of volume is picking up. So the most recent crash that we had was very interesting because once the market settled after a couple few days, uh, we had an influx of borrowers looking to borrow ETH specifically, right? You can, in theory, borrow any ERC-20 token on the app. Most people are doing stables, specifically USDC, or they're doing wrapped ETH. Um, but once the market stabilized uh, after this last crash down to 1,000, influx of users started coming in. Um, and so if you're paying attention to the greater NFT market right now, um, there is a spike in volume. Obviously, it's nothing like last year, but there is a spike in volume. There's a lot of solid collections which are pumping in ETH terms right now. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, there's a good amount of activity in that market uh, where the participants just haven't been faded by, you know, all this volatility in the greater market. So it's pretty cool to see. Um, mm -hmm. And at the same time, with that influx of borrowers coming in, uh, there's lenders on the other side too who feel comfortable with where we are right now to start lending out, and a lot of those lenders too are uh, on the ETH side. So it's just very interesting to see, you know, when things were bullish earlier this year in the greater market, or you know, at least not bearish yet, there was a lot of USDC volume happening. So it's very interesting, right? These are all things that uh, I'm observing, and you know, maybe don't always have the reason as to why they're happening. Um, I think I kind of know why the ETH stuff's happening right now. I, I think people are sort of calling the bottom, not to say that I personally am. Uh, no financial advice here, guys. But um, yeah, as long as the NFT market is is thriving to a certain extent, I think this segment of the market will continue to as well. And even though we have, quote unquote, seen bears with the NFT market over the last couple of years, we really haven't seen like a big bear, which is, is again, pretty surprising. So uh, I'm not looking forward to it happening, but I have to say it's probably going to happen eventually. Oh yeah, for sure, it's inevitable. Yeah, hundred percent. So carrying on, carrying on with the market conditions, do you have like a general outlook right now? Like, do you think, especially with crypto as well, um, crypto is even even worse. Uh, do you think crypto has fin finished tanking? Has it hit a floor? Is it is it going to stabilize now? Do you reckon the bull market will be back by the end of the year? What's your thoughts on like? Bitcoin, ETH, all that stuff. Sure, sure. Yeah, you know, I try to stay fluid in my thoughts. What I might have thought yesterday, I, I might not think today, and that's because <laughs> the market constantly changes, right? But we're definitely in, uh, you know, a, a bad place as far as the macro goes. There's a lot of stuff going on that's affecting the markets. Um, and it doesn't seem like it's going to clear up anytime soon, right? I am sort of... Um, uh, I am in the camp that thinks the U.S. will announce an official recession at one point. And I think that might be a good uh, true bottom signal for all markets. Um, I, I, I don't think crypto is an inflation hedge or um, I don't think it's, uh, you know, not coupled to, you know, legacy. So I don't think crypto gets to make up its own narrative here or go on its own trajectory until the greater market makes up its mind. Um, so I guess that's sort of where I am. I, I can see, you know, I am under the belief that cycles are quicker uh, just given how much liquidity has entered the space, how many participants have entered the space, how many of them believe in the space, I think that's a huge factor. Uh, so many people believe in it and are willing to diamond hand their bags that that 
obviously helps create a floor. Uh, but, uh, you know, I don't know if it's going to be this year or, or maybe sometime next year. I, I think, uh, you know, personally, I'm mentally prepared for it to go out into 2025. I really think that's uh, on a lower chance end happening. But, you know, uh, don't want to get myself too excited and then, you know, call the market coming back, you know, in Q2 of 2023 and then have to wait two more additional years. <laughs> um, I've done that to myself before. Uh, so I don't want to have to put myself through that type of agony. Um, I think there's still plenty of opportunity, though, right? I mean, ETH and, and, and Bitcoin have both been in a pretty solid range since the crash. Um, so, you know, if you did have the sort of, uh, uh, you know, spirit to trade these ranges, it's been pretty profitable. Um, I can't say I have. Um, you know, I focus my time more on the NFT stuff. Uh, and there is opportunities with NFTs as well. You know, there are some collections coming out that are good for a quick flip. Uh, you know, if people were fortunate enough to uh, hop on a day or two of the crypto Saudi project, then, uh, you know, they were able to make a good amount of money there. Uh, but crazy, um, yeah, like yeah, instant, yeah. So instantaneously went to what was like 1.5 ETH floor price, something like I, that. that. I think that's when I was in the Rocky, so oh. I wasn't paying too much attention to it. But um, yeah, there's still opportunities is, is my point there. Um, we don't have to just uh lay stagnant waiting for the bull market to return but we do have to be extra cautious because it's definitely not easy so uh it's definitely easier to lose money now than it is to make it so uh you know for me optimistically always cautious um but uh, uh an official recession announcement in the u.s would really uh make me confident that we've seen a bottom Right. And uh, I love I love the way you describe Castro, your your thinking being fluid these days. And I think that's a, a wonderful way to characterize, you know, kind of a tool for survival for, for folks that, you know, have a little bit of skin in the game here. Um, and uh, again, fully, this is not I know this is no one, anyone listening, this will not be financial advice, but I'd love to hear your estimated floor price uh, on Bitcoin and, and where you'll think it'll be in five years. And it just purely crystal ball, like no one's holding you to this just for fun. Curious what your thoughts on that would be. Well, I'm a uh, I'm a big uh, let's say uh, hoper. I have a lot of hopium for uh, five oh, figure ETH. You know, assuming uh, ETH BTC stays around the point four to point eight mark. Um, you know, I think that brings us around like uh, hundred. You know, potentially as little as uh, if I'm doing the math right, like a hundred and thirty, hundred forty thousand dollar Bitcoin. Um, mm -hmm. I think, uh, uh, so yeah, I guess I'm a, around that mark for the five-year mark. I'm a bit more on the conservative side um, because I think the markets have proven we never go as high as we think we're going to, right? We all thought we'd break the six-figure Bitcoin mark this time around. Um, so uh, yeah, but I am a five-figure ETH believer. So assuming ETH BTC stays within the range that it stayed in for almost its entire existence, I guess we're looking at uh, on the lower side, um, six-figure Bitcoin. Nice. I like I like the positivity there. And yeah, the amount of, you know, social media influencers in air quotes, I'm air quoting right now, uh, saying, oh, six figure, you know, over the last year was 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 brain mind numbing. But uh, I want to jump over to you utility cases for NFTs right now, because I think this is really exci an exciting time. And I sort of share your outlook on that front. You know, the Saudis did kind of surprise me. I was expecting projects like the possessed to do very, very well. And then when I saw the Saudis at 1.5, you know, people were on Twitter, you know, comparing the two being like, what's actually, this world is on its head, what's actually going on? But I get it, it's a, a really unique time. I wanna talk about utility cases. You know, I see, I'm seeing a lot of people being very, very creative out there. So again, I'd love to sort of just 
again, you know, see what your thoughts are in the, the macro here. We've got projects like uh, Blue Chip, um, I believe, is an IP based um, NFT program where you can you can basically rent out the IP for your NFT. I've seen uh, other other use cases out there. Basic, you know, real utility around swag, around you know, selling you know trading cards with your NFT. People are getting really creative, finding value in their assets. Is there anything out there that? you know, uh, you're hearing about besides, of course, Arcade and, and their great ideas, anything that's on your radar right now? Besides Arcade, I mean, I don't think there is any. No, I'm just joking. Um, so I think, utility, <laughs> um, I think utility is uh, really important, uh, first and foremost. I don't think it's yeah. necessary. I think that the lines are still a bit blurry about, you know, uh, NFTs and utility. Uh, I'll put it that way. And I think within, you know, the next several months, maybe a couple of years, those lines will become a lot clearer. Uh, and, and what do I mean by that? So, you know, um, I'm a big art blocks collector, uh, big art blocks fan. There's no utility with those NFTs. It's you're buying the art, you're enjoying the art, you're, you're trading the art, whatever you might be doing. Um, and, and I guess you could argue even that's uh, to a certain extent utility. But that's why I argue about the lines becoming more clear here in the future. But then I'm also at my profile picture here is a Moonbird, right? And mm. Moonbird is not just a profile picture like a CryptoPunk is. Moonbird was basically uh, an initial raise for proof so they could build out the product that they want to build out, which I think is a Discord competitor. I don't even know. I, I, I should pay a little more attention there. Um, so, <laughs> so did I, you know, sorry, go ahead. No, it sounds right. Yeah, I think you're right there. Initial raise for proof. I think you're bang on there. Yeah, so um, I just I, and I and that's not a bad thing, right? I knew what I was getting into, right? When I acquired my Moonbird, and and it's it's a definitely a great group to be a part of, and and I'm optimistic and bullish on the project. But I, I I just to talk about the utility, I think it just needs to become clearer, like why there is utility. So is there just utility so you can have a gaming asset, or is there utility because you're funding this startup essentially, or is there utility because you want to be part of a social club, sort of like a fraternal order where you're going to these private events. Uh, and all those things are going to exist. And all those things are uh, really great. But I think there is a difference between where NFT started from. And that was really sort of the collectible art space. Um, and so if you're just buying a CryptoPunk because you want to be that uh, CryptoPunk because you want to flex, right? That's a lot different from being able to access something beyond or supporting something beyond what some of these other projects are doing. There's room for everyone. Projects will continue to come out uh, utilizing some sort of utility or not. Uh, mm -hmm. To answer your question specifically, um, I, I really think that the social clubs will thrive. Um, you know, proof in a way is that too. Uh, board apes certainly are. Um, I, I, you know, I think I, I don't have a specific answer is where I'm really coming to because I do think all these sort of utilities that exist today are good and will continue to thrive. And that doesn't mean the specific projects that have them, that just sort of means the idea, right? Most projects will go to zero, right? Even even the bags I have, a lot of bags I have will go to zero, hopefully not all of them. So you always have to uh, you know, be aware that the chances are against you when you start buying uh, this sort of stuff. Uh, but utilities 
as is, will continue, will continue to be used, uh, evolved upon. New ideas will come into the space as well. You know, I only named three examples. There's probably a lot more I'm not even thinking about. Uh, and they are very important. I know some people like to knock utilities, especially when the market starts turning bearish. A lot of people like to, uh, a lot of my mutuals will start saying things like, you know, you're going to start saying you're in it for the art now and you're going to start buying art blocks and punks and one of ones and things like that. And sure, maybe there's some truth to that, but uh, that doesn't mean the idea of utility is going away just because a bunch of projects died. Yeah, and I think you've hit the nail on the head there, um, Castro. And before I pass the pass it over to Leon for the next question, I, my my sort of take on it is I don't know if anyone you're familiar with the game. I don't maybe updating myself a little bit. It was a game called Ping Pong where you had this little fluffy thing and you had this little squeezy pig and you try and keep it up in the air over a net. And you try, it's kind of like volleyball. It's a little board game. You'd be not a board game, but a little game you can play with your friends. And it kind of feels like ping pong, right? With utility being thrown out there, basically as a marketing tool uh, to keep people from, yeah, basically to keep the project from going to zero. It's sort of like, you know, one minute the utility is, oh, it's going to be gaming. It's going to be staking. You know, people are throwing around utility, like throwing it out without any real knowledge of how to actually execute on that utility. And then those projects, you know, I, I'm still waiting to color in my Crazilla, the coloring desk. I, three months ago, I bought a Crazilla. I, they still don't have their coloring desk. No, no, like slagging on, on those folks. I know the founders busting his ass to get it done, but it, they didn't really know how to make a coloring desk. And they put out this entire NFT based on that. So the utility is kind of like not really there. So I hear what you're saying, and I think it's a really fascinating time. And there's no, again, there's no way to be like, this is exactly where it's headed. There's people out there that will say that, but nobody has any fucking idea where it's actually headed. So I feel it's a little, I like the analogy, ping pong. So go ahead, Google ping pong out there, and then see if you can order one, because it was in the, I don't know, 80s that it came out. Okay, Leon, over to you. <laughs> no worries. Um, so carrying on with the market, sort of, and um, going back to Arcade, I'm looking through all the different contracts and all the different um, projects that you can actually put up for lending or borrowing. And there is a whole lot. Um, I was just wondering which ones are performing the best right now? Like which ones are being staked the most? Sure, sure. I'll, I'll just make one sort of note before answering that. And that's yeah, yeah. Uh, with our V1, we did have to whitelist collections. Um, so we would whitelist, you know, of course, all the blue chip ones and whatever. Uh, users were requesting. Uh, but with our V2, um, every collection is going to be supported. If you can see it on OpenSea, you're going to be able to see it on arcade.xyz. Oh, nice. Um, nice. So, but um, yeah, you know, uh, the bulk of our volume is apes followed by punks. Um, they are very liquid collections. Uh, they're always trending, they're always in vogue. And, um, you know, if you're a punk or ape owner, it's, it's easy to get liquidity because they are such liquid collections. Yeah, sure, yeah. So those are definitely the most popular. Um, you know, that being said, Clonexes get some volume, Doodles, uh, certain art blocks collections like Squiggles and Fidenzas. Um, you know, and we even, you know, we, we sort of uh, uh, specialize in our um, knowledge of the one-of-one one bespoke pieces out there. So, you know, nice. we've had uh, people collateralize Fuocious pieces, Pock pieces, um, Trevor Jones pieces, uh, Beeple pieces, you know, so we've had all that as well on the platform. And so all of that, you know, eats a bit of volume and we hope to see that increase. Um, the currency by Damien Hurst, that was a actually big collection that started coming to our uh, platform. A lot of users were collateralizing their Damien Hurst currencies, which was awesome to see. 
but punks and apes by far take up the most volume and uh apes above punks to be honest yeah i, I mean that's sort of expected at the minute um apes are going absolutely crazy there's been a lot of apes has had a rough ride the past few months it's been more of a roller coaster it's been up and down they, they have you seen um the gameplay for the other side that looks i have it looks i have crazy. it all looks really cool yeah it looks really cool you know they have a lot of money um yuga labs that is and uh you know it's not easy to create a game i think we all know that i think there's uh anybody who games knows that there's a saturation of just pure junk out there because mm-hmm. uh, of the conditions that they make these games in so i'm just hoping that that treasury that yuga has there uh, uh gives them the leverage uh that they need to create something that stands out and isn't rushed and so i really love how they're you know all these games do beta testing and stuff right that yeah, that's out. but i really love how yuga's doing it i love how they're doing it with their own community they're doing it very transparently publicly um so you know it's not just going to be a few beta testers you've never heard of who just fill out a report afterwards it's going to be uh, users who have followings on social media and are popular um, and will voice whatever concern they think isn't being listened to by the mm-hmm. Yuga team themselves. So th- this is a really awesome exper- uh, experiment to get to watch firsthand unfold. I'm not an ape uh, owner. I don't have uh, exposure to the uh, Yuga Lab ecosystem directly. So um, I'm watching it from the sidelines, but it's really awesome to see. Yeah, they had um, the alpha test on the servers, like I think it was last week or the week before. And they had two and a half thousand people online at once in that like it was like one tiny little map. Two and a half thousand players all at once like running around and talking. They had they enabled like the voice chat, so there's two and a half thousand people talking at once. And it didn't even like it, it was completely fine, which is crazy. Um I'm I'm excited and I, I gotta say I am confident, you know, just again, the, the money alone, it's it's like you really have to just not care if you're going to drop the ball with, with oh, that yeah, treasure sure. to make a game. Yeah, the yeah. game's been, I think, I don't know if it's a game or a service, but that's been made by Improbable, which is a UK-based yeah. company. I was, I was trying, I'm trying to get um, the founder on right now, but I'm having no luck. He's not replying. So a bit of a tough Ooh, one. That would right? be awesome. I bet his inbox is pretty full. Oh, yeah, yeah. Awesome. I'm not surprised, to be honest. But um, once yeah, that I launches... I have to chirp in real quick. I did. Me and three buddies bought uh, some land on the other side, and we jumped in on that beta test that oh, one day. No way, and it was, yeah, I video. I actually po- I posted a little bit on my TikTok. I did a little video oh, of shoot, it. I'm gonna have to check that out. It was insane, man. It was actually kind of chaos. It was. I loved it. It just seemed like everyone insanely running around. It was <laughs> it kind of a little bit apocalyptic, uh, you know, <laughs> metaverse apocalypse. But it was. Like all these, all these spirits and souls come together on this really small space, all stuck together, and you're kind of stuck there. It kind of felt like a Black Mirror episode, but it, <laughs> it was uh, really cool. I was, I was very, very excited. I'm more hyped than I probably should have been at my advanced age. But anyway, sorry, I cut, guys, cut <laughs> in. Go no, all good. But yeah, well, once that launches and stuff, I'm very, very, very excited to see what that, uh, what that does to just board ape and other side stuff. They're gonna go. Uh, well, they're already crazy. Uh, are they number one? volume or yeah i'm pretty sure they are aren't they board apes and um other side i think just uh i i don't know if, if you're asking about all time i don't know off the top of my head but at least this I week think, yeah um, punks took over time. the number one spot oh, okay really? all time got it yeah, th- yeah. Th- well that, that was just like this week that punks are doing the most volume yeah i think all time they're number one but this year no all time they're number two sorry and punks are first um, okay so okay. We'll, we'll most likely see that change sometime soon um yep. but yeah so anyway going back to 
Well, this is the last question now. This is the question we ask all our guests. Um, bit of a fun one, really. Um, but if you could go back in time to when you first started your NFT journey, what is one thing slash piece of advice you would have told yourself? Ah, that's tough. I, I don't think about one. the past because, <laughs> uh, you know, there, there's so many uh, mistakes to harp on. Um, <laughs> so I, I just try to, you know, you, you harp on those mistakes, right? Things, things can get dark for some people. Um, so, uh, uh, if you want to switch up then like, if there was, if there was someone started, like one of your friends were starting to invest in NFTs, what's one piece of advice you'd give them rather than you? Yeah, yourself? I guess, uh, that's a, yeah, sure. So, um, oh, it's, it's so hard. Um, <laughs> I'm 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 gonna um just merge the the two, and that okay. would be um the, the the advice would be that even the collections themselves are cyclical. So if you love those collections that you're collecting, there there's certain time to take things off to take some you know profits off the table, and then you yep. can reinvest some of those tr uh, profits to earn back those assets. Uh, because it is cyclical; they go through their own little mini cycles consistently. Um, but you know what? The truth is. Uh, when I, you know, got involved in crypto, I had no idea NFTs would become a thing, right? So I would have never been able to, you know, foresee any of that. So yep. that, that's why I'm always like, what would I have told people? I ask people, you know, I host the spaces on Twitter for Arcade, and I ask people sometimes, you know, what they would ask to new participants. And so uh, now that I've been asked it, I feel really bad for asking other people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry for putting you on the spot. I should have told you before so you could prepare a little speech. <laughs> But yeah, uh, profit-taking is probably one of the biggest things you can do. Same with like, I'm more into like Forex and general crypto and stuff like that, but I also do a bit of NFTs. But yeah, you've al always got to take some profits off the table. Otherwise, you're going to go on a big, big run. You're going to take like 20,000 into like 2 million, and then it's just going to go back to down down to like 40,000 40, before you even know it. You got yeah, and you know it sounds silly, but when it comes to NFTs, you're like you feel like it because you do have something. It's 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 all digital ownership. Now you have like a picture to look at, and you know I've tried to uh, rationalize why are NFTs holding up so well, um, you know, compared to the rest of the market. And uh, I, I think I just have to conclude that it's because you have something to look at. Um, <laughs> and I don't mean that to say funny. I, I to, to sound funny, I really do believe that is it because I'm looking at. Uh, you know, other galleries on a consistent basis because I'm pretty wowed by art and, and some of the stuff that's out there. And I'll be looking at my own gallery too, um, quite often just being like, wow, I really own that sort of thing. Um, so I know it sounds silly, but uh, I really do believe that. No, I don't think it's silly at all. It goes back Dude, to like, no, like no, no, no. go on, go on. How many, how many kids were, you know, collecting hockey cards, you know, in Canada? That was a big that's thing. What I was you just, go back to. Yeah. You lay them all out and you just, stare at them it's just the thing it's like it's a collectability it's an ownership and you know and 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 then you know those that weren't into sports you know art was a big thing i'm a skateboarder growing up with skating and you know the the different santa cruz art and the different you know Paul peralta art that was you know you you kind of got a little sad when you do a rail slide and your board would get chewed up a little bit uh because the art was getting wrecked like i, I remember just staring at my slime balls wheels being like that is the sickest logo ever and i think that's part of what's carrying the NFT space is that that massive, incredible pop culture movement around art, and I th I'm just so grateful that it's happened. That's for me. That's why I'm so so endlessly hyped about NFTs. About is it's it's actually a, a time for real artists out there to be elevated where they they haven't been before. They've always kind of been taken advantage of by the middleman, 
um, galleries or, or, you know, people out there with more money than them. And artists, let's be honest, often aren't looking out for their best good. They're just, they've, they've caught a, a bit of a disease where they've got to create. And, you know, the NFT space in the community seems to really rally around our artists and support them. Oh, yeah, I'm going to stop talking that. I don't know why I'm jumping in. I just got really passionate about that there. No, no awesome. very well said. I was yeah. uh, popping as well. It's sort of yeah. like a nostalgia, though. Um, everyone, like, there's so many different mm-hmm. generations. Like, so many people are getting into this. Like, even kids, um, teenagers, older, 20, 30, 40, 50, everyone's hopping on it. And, like, it's the first time we've seen everyone get together on this one big thing and like everyone can get in, involved artists collectors investors mm-hmm. everything mm-hmm. there's never been anything like it um totally. but it is very very nice to just watch the journey and see where it's going to go um, and i'm mm-hmm. sure that's going to change a whole lot i'm excited for next year once the markets yeah. hopefully chill out a little bit and then we see some real um progress with the nft space because it's still very very cloudy and i don't think anyone really truly understands the market or what the market is going to be like in 10 years um so yeah it's very it's very interesting to see the start of um the true utility of nfts um yeah ending it off there castro thank you so much for coming on um i'd like to thank arcade as well um is there anywhere they can find you feel free to plug your twitter um whatever you have anything and then also arcade yeah, awesome. Uh, this was great. Uh, I really appreciate you guys having me on. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Castro Crypto. Uh, definitely also encourage following Arcade at Arcade underscore XYZ. Uh, the website is Arcade.XYZ. And uh, depending on uh, when this airs on, on your other uh, channels, hopefully our V2 will be live by then. Um, oh, yeah, I'm so I'm that, super actually. excited for that. Honestly, feel free to DM me if you're interested in using Arcade. I do provide... Um, this sort of white glove service um, where I help match uh, users who own higher value assets with uh, high value lenders. So it's um, okay. something else that differentiates us from uh, the other protocols that are in the space. So my DMs are always open. Uh, love answering them. Again, that's at Castro Crypto and uh, Arcade.xyz. I, ho- I host a spaces every week uh, <laughs> uh, via Arcade's account. So I would love, uh, you know, you guys to tune into that as well. Yeah. Um, so again, really appreciative of uh, be, uh, being on here. Thanks a lot, guys. Yeah, of course. All right. See you later. Well, sure.